Welcome everyone to episode 10 of OSCZ504's Freelance, the anti-romance audiobook version. I am your humble reader, Beta Reader 3. As always, if you like this, please check out the book version available on Amazon or at Ozzy's website at OSCZ504.tech. That's www.OSCZ504.tech. There are several other books, blogs, and in-progress stories available for reading and opinions, so be sure to check it out. Now, on with the story. Section 4. Villains should be charming and have British accents. Hello to the house. A deep, resonant voice boomed from the front door. Marcus had his head pillowed in Erica's lap, reading. Erica was stretched out with her feet on the coffee table, reading. Gabrielle was napping and pretending to read in the big armchair by the window. Elena, who had been playing on her phone, snapped up her head in excitement. Uncle Sam? She leapt out of the chair and ran to the door. Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, she shouted, throwing her arms around a tall figure. Erica let her head fall backwards over the couch cushion to try and get a look, and Marcus felt his good mood evaporate. He looked at his father, who seemed just as surprised as him. Don't look at me, Gabriel said. I know how you two are. Blame your mother. Dad. The hearty voice boomed through the small house again, and Marcus winced. Wow, Erica said. He glanced up at her. Her attention had been caught by the very handsome form of his brother, currently making his way through the living room and hugging Gabriel. His older brother had improved, if anything, by getting older. Still broad-shouldered, lean, chiseled jaw, now he had just the slightest flicks of gray at his temples, making him look distinguished and responsible. He probably died it in there just to con people into trusting him, he thought. He's such a dick. Nonetheless, he pulled himself up to sit. Sam and his father had their usual back-slapping happy hug that annoyed him for no discernible reason, and then he found himself confronted with his brother. Samuel, he said, trying to keep annoyance out of his voice. It's good to see you, he offered his hand. Samuel immediately shoved it aside and swept him up into a back-breaking hug. Oh, Marky Mark, I missed you, you little shit. You never return my calls. You never come home for the holidays. Why? Marcus couldn't answer since the hug had squeezed whatever breath was left in him out, but it didn't matter because Sam had spotted Erica. Spotted. He had a scope from the second he came into the room. I'll have to warn her later, he thought, even more disgusted. Sure enough, Sam dropped him and immediately turned on the charm, smiling brilliantly at Erica and taking her hand. Erica frowned at him and took her hand back. No touching, she said. You feel weird. Marcus closed his eyes in sheer delight at her and the look of baffled irritation that spasmed across his brother's face. He stepped between them. Samuel, this is my girlfriend, Erica. Erica Kane. Erica, this is my brother Samuel. He goes by Sam. Erica moved completely behind Marcus, put her arms around his waist, and extended one small hand toward Sam. Hello, she said, partially muffled in Marcus's shoulder. Please don't hug me like you did Marcus. It looks uncomfortable. Something ugly flit across Sam's expression before he buried it. He took the hand, shook it gravely, and only said, Pleased to meet you, ma'am. Wouldn't dream of it. Little thing like you. Marcus, you dog. I didn't know you were dating anyone. She's lovely. No, she's not, said Erica, still behind Marcus. She's average, at best. Now, now, laughed Sam as he tried to pull her out from behind Marcus. You're gorgeous. Let me see that face. Don't touch her, said Marcus. She didn't give you permission. Hands off. Sam raised his hands peaceably and backed off. Touchy, touchy. You got it, tough guy. No touching the pretty lady. Instead, he swung back to Elena, whirling her in another big hug. That just means I can give more attention to my favorite niece. 
I can't believe how much you've grown. Look at you, a young lady now. He set her back on her feet. I haven't seen you in, what, two years? Yep, Elena preened. It's been forever. Come here, Uncle Sam. I want to show you my school yearbook and the photos from the robotics competition. Elena toured and toured her room, and Marcus seethed, again, fighting the temptation to take Elena and Erica anywhere as long as it got him out of this house. He felt Erica breathe a sigh of relief. He's a handful, isn't he? You have no idea, he thought, but he just nodded. I'm sorry, son, said his father, patting his shoulder, but you know your mother. It would be good if you two could finally make up. No way in hell, Marcus said savagely. If he stays in this house, me and Erica will get a hotel. We will, said Erica, obviously surprised. You will, said Gabriel, simultaneously, in exactly the same tone. Now, come on, Marcus, that's no way to treat your brother. Marcus felt his face harden, but before he could say anything, Sam chimed in with a, Oh, stop it, everyone, I'll stay in town, relax. He grabbed Marcus's head, shoving it under his, his shoulder. The little guy is just too sensitive. Marcus pulled his head away, irritated. Don't do that. Sam gave him an unrepentant smile with a slight edge. Do what, Marky? I'm just showing you a little affection. Well, don't, and don't call me that either. And then, because he felt awkward, he stomped into the garden to sulk. Asshole, he thought. God, I hate him. He stood for a moment, barefoot in the dirt, and let the sun warm him up, turning his face into it and inhaling the scent of flowers. I can see why Erica does this, he thought, eventually calming down and starting to enjoy the sunshine. He just likes torturing me, and if he just likes, and he just likes taking things away from me. If I didn't get so upset, he wouldn't find it nearly as entertaining. Marcus took another deep breath. Why is it I always turn into a child around my family? A 30-something responsible man turns into a bratty 12-year-old within moments of walking into that house. It's all over anyway. Been done for years. Why do I still let him upset me? He continued following the little stone path as it wound around the flower beds, listening to the wind chimes, and stretched out on the couch at the end, pillowing his head on his forearms and letting the sound of the water and birds soothe him. He was drowsing until someone came and sat on him. He shaded his eyes against the sun. Erica. Marcus, she said. Her chin was perched on her hands as she watched him. You are being very weird. He sighed. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I'm not upset, but why are you being weird? Sam did some things many years ago that I can't forgive him for, and every time I see him, it pisses me off. Oh, she paused. What did he do? I can't tell you. He looked hurt. Why not? He blinked at her in surprise. Do you actually care? Rosura, you're usually allergic to emotional stuff. She shifted uncomfortably and stretched herself out next to him so she was lying in the crook of his shoulder. He scooted over to accommodate her and absently pulled her hair loose so that she could use him as a pillow. Well, you have so much emotion sometimes. I just need to ration out my caring. Uh-huh. He stopped talking. He poked his shoulder. Why won't you tell me? Because you can't keep a secret to save your life. She sat partially up in a huff. I can too. Nope, he said, enjoying the look of her with her hair down in the sunlight, though. Ever since her trip, she has a nice bronze freckled look. He took a second to admire her. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Marcus. His smile faded. No, seriously, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I just can't. And you should stay away from Sam. He has a bad reputation. Reputation for what? He ground his teeth. If you told her anything, she would probably just put it together herself. Just stay away from him and don't let him touch you. Oh, she thought thoughtful. 
Please don't think about this too hard, Erica. Please just leave it alone, okay? Hmm. Erica? Hmm. Erica, Elena called from the house. We're going with Sam into town. Do you want to come with and see some of the galleries? Grandpa said we can stop at the library. Marcus tried to say, please don't. She looked at him, one hand on his chest, the other holding herself up, then looked at Elena. Coming, she yelled. I'll be fine, she said, patting his chest comfortingly. He's your brother, not the boogeyman. She was probably right. He still didn't like it, but there was no reason for him to be acting like this. No reason at all. Fine, have fun. Call me if you need anything. She gave him another pat and slid over him to run back in the house with Elena, and he started to chew on his lip. Goddamn Sam. He could still remember how happy he'd been when Nina had asked him out. How excited. He'd had a crush on her forever. He threw a forearm over his eyes, remembering their first kiss, how fast she'd moved, how scared he was, and why he didn't even think to ask why. God, I was such a kid. Nina, are you sure? I'd stroked her face a little in awe. Are you sure you want to do this now? He seemed angry for some reason, fumbling my pants off. I couldn't breathe. I've dreamed of her touching me for ages. Of course I'm sure. Just do it already. But please, Marcus, I'm sure. His lips twisted a little at the memory. It certainly wasn't how I expected my first time to go. He'd looked at her once and saw tears. It made him feel sick. But he didn't stop. When it was over, she just got dressed and left. I felt awful about myself. Hell, I still feel awful about it. It's been almost two decades. He groaned to himself. Bad enough he had hurt her the first time. I'd opened the door to their tiny apartment. Nina had wanted to move to Chicago. I had thought it was for the university, but I'd forgotten that Sam had gotten a manager's job with Pinnacle Bank. I remembered it quickly enough. Marcus! She had looked surprised. He hadn't. Naked, on top of my wife in the living room, Sam glanced over, looked directly into my eyes, held the look, and kept going, ignoring Nina's weak attempt to push him off. I'd closed the door quietly, standing outside my own apartment, alone, nauseous. I glanced at my watch. I had been so excited to get a half day and be able to surprise the girls. I tried to swallow but felt something hard lodge in my throat. Not knowing what else to do, I walked out in the parking lot and just stared at my hands. I went to pick up Elena from the babysitter's. I knew, right then. In that moment, I remembered all Nina's oh-so-casual questions about Sam, remembered Sam's refusal to see her, the way he leered at her and gave her way too an intimate kiss at the wedding. And it made sense, and I felt that same sickness rising up in me again. I'd knocked at Mamacita's door, and a black-haired whirlwind of energy and love greeted me. Daddy, 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 she shouted, throwing pudgy arms around me. Look, look, I made this. She shoved her picture into my face and made me kiss her stuffed rabbit even though I'd been dragged through the dirt all day and was covered in germs. But I did it, holding onto her tightly and trying very hard to only cry a little bit into her hair. She felt it. Daddy, are you sad? She said. Don't be sad. Here, Bunny will make you feel better. I took Bunny and sat on the floor, pulling Elena into my lap so I could cuddle her and tried to ignore the stares of the ladies looking after the other children. Just let Daddy hold you a minute, I whispered. I missed you all day. I miss you too, Daddy. God, I love this kid, I'd thought. Love him. I'd walked into Sam's bank. I'd come after a job and was wearing concrete plastered work pants and boots. My skin was dusty. I'd felt out of place and dirty in the nice lobby. 
Well-dressed people float around me as if I was a repelling magnet. I had to ask one of the tellers how to get a hold of Sam, since he wouldn't return my calls. I felt humiliated, dirty and alone, waiting in one of the offices for my brother. And Sam came in smiling, sitting behind his desk as if nothing had happened. Marky, I didn't figure you'd be brave enough to come here. He glanced at my clothes. Especially when you're working. How's that construction job? I'm a mason. Pays the bills. I leaned forward. How long? How long what? How long have you and Nina been together? He waved the question off. We're not together. We fuck occasionally, since she needs a real man in her life, someone capable of taking charge. How long, Samuel? He'd smiled at me. A long time. High school, I'd asked. I had to know. What do you think? I think you got Nina pregnant, and when she told you, you dropped her. He sighed and put his arms behind his head. Yeah, I didn't need a kid. He waved to the office. I'd gotten into a good school. I had a good life. I didn't want a wife and baby. And Nina was crying and talking about God and getting married. A bunch of noise. I gave her enough money to take care of it. Take care of it? I hissed the words out. I felt a kind of rage I'd never felt before. I'd never hit anyone in my life, but I took a slint at Sam. I obviously missed. He came over the desk and knocked me to the ground, hitting me in the face a couple times. My eye felt hot, and I'd bitten through my cheek when he'd stopped. Listen, he said, calmly, calmly hauling me up to sit. I know you're upset, but you've got to realize a couple things, baby brother. First, I like fucking your wife, and she likes it too. She came to me, you understand? You obviously can't keep her happy. Second, it's not my problem that you got stuck with a kid and a woman that doesn't love you. You were the one dumb enough to fall for it. Third, you're not strong enough to do anything about it, so why don't you just go home and accept it? He smiled at me. You can even walk in on us a couple more times. Taking a man's wife right in front of him gets me off. I tried to shove him away, but he slammed his fist into my stomach and I went back to the ground. He dusted off his hands in contempt. Go home, Marky. Face it, you got screwed. How can you not want her? I gasped still shocked. Who, Nina? Of course I want her. Why else would I be fucking her? No. I paused to catch my breath again. Elena. She's amazing. Don't you want to see her grow up? He shrugged. Kids are for women. What would I do with her? Keep her. Samuel. Look, Marky, you've had your little say. Get out. Nothing's going to change. You can't do anything about it. Why don't you just let it go? Mom's going to kill you. He laughed. Sure, tell Mom. What do I care? You're the one who's married, who's Catholic, who likes the kid. I don't care about any of these things. It's your family you're going to fuck up. Do what you want. Marcus blinked. He hated remembering that. It always made him feel sick to his stomach, and he felt tears running down his face and scrubbed them away as he realized he wasn't alone. His father had come out and was sitting in the chair next to him, quietly reading. Marcus swallowed and tried to make his voice normal. Hey, Dad. Hey. His father looked at him with that intense, bird-like stare he got when trying to really understand something. You want to tell me why you and your brother are like this? No. Mm. He leaned back in his chair. You know, Marcus, I've only ever seen you get upset about your family or your books. Can I hope that Sam just ruined one of your books? He hasn't touched my books, Marcus said through gritted teeth. Ah. Gabriel looked very sad. Look, Dad, I just don't want to tell you. 
Because it will make me think less of Samuel? Yes. Okay. Gabriel picked his book back up. I won't ask anymore. Thank you. Marcus tried to clear his vision from the book he was reading. Regardless of his father's comments, the Russians were terrible to get through. Good ideas, but oh, so depressing. Dad! Hmm? His daughter threw herself next to him. Look at what Uncle Sam got for me. She unrolled a beautiful beaded comb, hair ornament. Isn't it pretty? It looked like a cascading waterfall of tiny beads. Even tinier crystals were woven throughout, and the whole thing was held together by a stylized scene of roiling clouds and storms. It's lovely, he said. Here, turn around. She put her back down, and he braided it into her hair, admiring the starkness of the colors against her black hair. It's really beautiful, Elena, especially with your hair. Thank you, Daddy. He kissed him on the cheek before running like a hooligan back into the house. Grandma, look at what Uncle Sam got me! Hard to believe she's almost 17, he thought, smiling. She did the same thing when she was six. Sam threw himself down into the couch next to Marcus with a sigh. Whew, shopping takes it out of you. How do women keep that up for hours? Thought you were staying in town, said Marcus. I am. Don't get your panties in a wad. He yawned and put his feet up on the table. Mom invited me to stay for dinner. Your girlfriend's a little different, huh? What, you couldn't get a normal girl like you, so you had to rob the special ed school down the street? Watch your mouth, Samuel, said their father, glancing up from his book. It's uncalled for. Sorry, Dad. He smiled at Marcus. I got her a present, too. Oh? Marcus tried to keep his voice neutral and tried not to snap at his brother. That was nice of you. Aren't you going to ask me what it was? Marcus shrugged. Erica will show me soon enough. I don't think she's gotten many presents in her life. She'll probably be excited. She came out to the garden. She was dressed in a full black skirt trimmed in deep blue-green. A lightly embroidered, close-fit white blouse was tucked into a wide leather belt with her little moccasins peeking out from beneath the skirt. A matching necklace of turquoise and silver wrapped around her throat. Wow, he said. You even managed to get her to wear shoes. Erica, you look wonderful. She blushed and came over to the sitting area, smoothing her hands down it nervously. I really like it, she said, almost embarrassed to Marcus. If you have to wear clothes, this isn't so bad. He opened up his arms so she could sit in his lap and avoid the question of where to sit, since his stupid brother was taking up most of the couch. I wholeheartedly support this plan, he said. Except the jewelry, she said, correcting herself. I don't want to wear jewelry, maybe just for special occasions. Sure, he said, nodding wisely. I'll make sure you have lots of foofy skirts. Good, she said. I don't know why you hate your brother so much. He's pretty nice. Marcus resolutely did not look over at Sam. I'm glad you had a good time. Oh, I did, and here. She jumped off his lap and pulled him back towards the house. Come see the rest of what I got. The rest? Yes, I found lots of things. Sam just got me the clothes because I refused to go into the shop with him and Elena, but here, she said, directing them into their room. He saw a pile, a massive pile. Rugs, books, paintings, pottery. There were a couple sculptures, a guitar. Erica, what is all this? I liked it. You bought all this? Yep, she nodded and looked pleased with herself, pushing her glasses up her nose. So many colors. I've never seen some of these before. Look, she pulled out one of the paintings. It was of stones in a river, but the watercolor was intense in a way that he'd never seen. Vibrant. 
Though it was stylized, you could feel the river pushing through the rocks, flowing, see light sparking off of it. Beautiful, he murmured, tracing the curving lines with his fingertips. All of them were like that. Rugs woven with intricate intensity and skin-soothing materials. Sculptures so detailed you felt the stone come alive. Dozoro, where are we going to put all this? We'll have to get rid of some of your books. She snorted. Nonsense. I'll make ceiling shelves. And we still have the bedroom wall. Yes, singular. There's only the space above the bed. You must have spent a fortune on all this stuff. She shrugged. I'd never seen anything like them before. Marcus, how much do houses in New Mexico cost? No, absolutely not. We're not moving here. Her eyebrow, tri- her eyebrow twitched. Marcus sighed in relief, packing up the car the next day. His parents and Elena were still in the kitchen, talking about colleges. Evidently, she could get quite a discount if she came to the University of New Mexico and still be close enough to visit from the main campus in Albuquerque. It would feel good knowing she was still close to family, and they had a decent engineering program. Erica had pulled some material for her. My daughter, an engineer. Wow. Erica was lying on the hood of the car, falling into the sky, as she called it, staring at nothing, just watching the intense color, soaking it up. The sky in Chicago doesn't look like this. He glanced up. Nope. We should move to New Mexico, she said. I'll build us an earthship. I want to look at a sky like this all the time. Don't say that too loudly, said Sam, coming to lean against the rental car. My mother will hear you, and before you know it, you'll be married, pregnant, living in a house they bought for you. Bye, Sam, Marcus said, irritably getting into the car. What, no hug? said Sam, sarcastically, and turned away from him towards Erica. His brother brushed some of Erica's hair behind her ear and took her hand. Bye, Miss Erica. So nice to finally meet you. She hopped off the car hood, reversed his handhold, and shook it. Bye, Sam. Elena, time to go! Marcus clapped his hands over his ears at her yell. Jesus, woman. Sorry. But Elena came out. Parents said goodbye. Erica watched the house receding into the passenger seat. Does Sam still live in Chicago? No, Marcus said with a sigh of relief. New York. Good, she said definitively, turning away from the window. Good, he said. Yep, I figured it out. Figured what out, said Elena. Nothing, said Marcus. She's talking about one of her books. Erica stayed quiet. Chapter 6. Who plays a human anyway? They're so boring. Section 1. Nobody likes a power gamer. Marcus? Yes? When is our anniversary? He had to put his book down. You're asking about our anniversary? Why? Erica swiveled her computer around so she could show him a number of YouTube videos she'd been watching. She'd been very into comedy lately after he'd written in one of her drafts that she needed more humor in her writing. All the male comics make jokes about their wives and girlfriends, and usually it starts by forgetting their anniversary. I don't know if we have one, he said, picking the book back up. Why don't you pick a date? No, she said. I don't want you to make fun of me like these men do. They don't sound like they love their significant others very much. They probably don't. Why don't you go back to watching Dungeons and Dragons games online? They're probably funnier and will make you less uncomfortable. Mm. They went back to peaceable silence. He was deep in his book, delightfully immersed, when he heard a rustle in the kitchen. The cat meowed plaintively. Erica meowed back. Silence. Meow. Meow.
She rustled the food bag. Kitty chattered at her. She chattered back. Kitty and Erica went back and forth. Will you just feed him already? He snapped finally. What can you two have to talk about for ten minutes? Jesus, Mother and Joseph, it's bad enough when he talks, much less both of you. He heard the sound of food being refilled. She flopped on the couch and let out a long sigh. He tried to go back to his book. She fidgeted, tapped her fingers, irritable little body movements that made it impossible for him to read. What? he said. What is wrong with you? I'm bored, she said. Go write something. Didn't Veronica give you a book contract? Maybe. Well, then, go make some money. I don't know what to write about, she said. She got up to stare out the window. I'm stale. Boring. You've made me too normal, and now no one will read my writing. He chuckled. That's ridiculous. You're still a basket case. Your writing hasn't changed. Yes, it has. She dropped her weight on him to sit on his lap. He let out an oomph in surprise and delicately put his book down to avoid losing his place. Veronica even mentioned that my stuff seemed more tame lately. She grabbed his shawl at collar to shake him. Tame, Marcus, and I haven't done anything interesting enough to go into your blog lately. It was true. He mainly wrote about due dates and general press news now. It had been ages since he'd woken up to find her testing electroshock therapy for depression treatments or whether plastic explosives could be used to fuse metal or soldering household appliances together. She hadn't lit anything on fire. She hadn't lit herself on fire. She'd even managed to dress herself every day. Come to think of it, she was pretty normal. That is true. You've been awfully mellow lately. Mellow? She practically shrieked in despair, throwing herself off him to lie face down on the floor. He tried not to notice that her foot had caught him directly in the cockiness. He closed his eyes and managed to breathe slowly. Ouch. She didn't even notice. Look at me. I'm pathetic. I've lost my stuff. I'm all washed up. I'm just a normal nerd now. Nothing interesting about me. He shifted, trying to find a more comfortable position. You're still weird. Don't worry. Ugh, don't try and cheer me up. She dragged herself back onto the couch so she could hang upside down with her feet over the back. I'm ruined. I'm going to have to sell widgets to corporate clones who don't know any better. I'm going to wear cocky pants and ask if people want fries with that. Marcus absently chewed on his fingernail and tried to go back to his book. Uh-huh. That is the only reasonable outcome. Absolutely. You're making fun of me. Of course I'm making fun of you. You're being ridiculous. You're fine. Go write something. I can't, she moaned, casting her forearm over her eyes dramatically. My brain is dead. Veronica killed it by calling me tame. Long live my dead brain. I have nothing to write about, Marcus. I'm content. I'm happy. I'm normal. None of those things make for good stories. I'm ruined. You've ruined me. She threw a pillow at him. He caught it before it knocked over his water glass. Me? What did I do? You fed me and treated me like a person. Don't you know you can't feed wild things? That if you do, they can't fend for themselves anymore? Ugh, Marcus, you've domesticated me. I'll never forgive you. He threw the pillow back at her. I did nothing of the kind. You're still a savage, wild thing, all red in tooth and claw. Don't blame your writer's block on me. I'm innocent. She just moaned. He took a moment to appreciate her with her shirt half off, stretched out over the couch. You're just bored. Go to the library. Go listen to a lecture at Northwestern. Didn't Elena want to go do a tour of the campus? There you go. 
boring, 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 boring. Marcus, you're not even trying. It's not my job to try. I just get to read whatever spawns out of your head at the end of the day. She dropped her forearm. Blurg. Go outside. It's hot, Marcus. It's not that hot. I don't want to go outside. You're being a baby. I'm an artist. I'm allowed. She flipped over so she could open her computer and stare in dejection at her book's sixth manuscript. It was an empty file. She clicked over to YouTube, shut it off. She opened her email. Marcus stopped paying attention and went back to his books. Sixty minutes later, it was suspiciously quiet. No tap, tap, tap of typing noises. No moaning about being bored. He looked up. She was gone. He sighed, feeling put upon, and let his feet drop to the floor before going hunting in the apartment. Erica? What are you doing? He checked the bathroom first. Most of her bad ideas started in the bathroom. Nothing. Nothing in the bedroom, just the little knot Roomba whirring away, thankfully not on fire. Erica? Nothing in the kitchen, either. He opened the fridge. Miscellaneous unidentified jars of various biological components stared back at him. God, I wish she would label things, he thought, shaking one lightly, only to see what looked like living slime swish through the bottom. Ugh. He walked outside and around the building to the alley, and he saw a blonde head bobbing in the dumpster. Erica, what are you doing? He peeked over the side, pushing her glasses up. Oh, hi, she gestured to the dumpster. Just hunting for interesting things. You'd be amazed at what people throw away. Look. She held up a gigantic purple dildo. He closed his eyes and just hoped that there wasn't anything too disgusting in there. Or more disgusting, anyway. Put it down, Erica. Get out of the trash. How is this helping your writer's block? It's not. Her head ducked down behind the lips of, lip of the dumpster. There was a sound of moving parts and something heaving coming over the top of it. Here, grab this, please. No, it's gross. The head popped back up. Oh, don't be such a baby. It's bike parts. No dildos. Promise. Go on, take them. He gingerly took the box and placed it on the ground. Why are you in the dumpster, he asked, helping her ease her way out. Her disgusting gray sweatsuit was even more disgusting. This time I will burn it, he promised himself. She waved to a portion of the alley. There was a decrepit dirt bike half hidden behind the dumpster. That. The motorcycle? Yes, she said, dusting herself off and looking through the box. I bet I can fix it up. It might be good for Elena to get to school or something. Erica, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? Nope. Do you even have a license? Nope. He took another look at the bike. It was missing both wheels. The fiberglass body had been ripped open. The engine looked cracked. It was missing a gas tank. He was fairly certain there were blood. There was blood on the handlebars. What are you going to fix? There's nothing left. She finished dusting herself off and peeked around him. I think the frame is salvageable. Professora, where are you going to fix this bike up? In the apartment. No. What? Why? There's no way we can fit a bike and whatever tools you are about to make in the apartment. Oh, I'm sure we can make it fit. Professora, listen to me. We cannot fit this in the apartment. You're going to have to find a workshop or something. What about the parking garage? No, my car is there. Oh, great. I'll And you cannot take my car apart. 
She gave a long, deeply put upon sigh. Fine, I'll just take it to my storage unit. I'll work on it there. He paused in surprise. You have a storage unit? Sure. Where do you think I put all my toys? I didn't want to know. Oh, don't worry. I'll take it there and... Erica? Erica Kane? A person was standing at the street side of the alley, peering into it with evident recognition. Yes, said Erica. Oh, wow, it's me, Matt, from college. I used to be your teaching assistant ages ago. Don't tell me you don't remember. Marcus looked at her, covered in filth, stupid gray sweatsuit, squinting down the street at this man. How could he recognize her from so far away and looking like that? Matt, she said, drawing it out, tapping her fingers to his lips. She pulled them away from her face just in case botulism or something was living in the dumpster. Nope, she said to the man, don't remember you. He took that as an invitation to come closer. Really? Oh, that's a shame. I'm a big fan of yours, you know. I keep up with all your books. You must be her editor. And her boyfriend, he said a little defensively. Nice to meet you, Matt. The man promptly ignored Marcus. He was tall, just over six feet. His voice was high and youngish, but Marcus could see that he was older, maybe early thirties. Awfully young-looking to be her teaching assistant in college, he thought suspiciously. Are you doing something with that bike? he asked Erica. I actually have a friend with a big garage just down the street. I was just visiting him. Want to use his place? Uh, no, that's okay. What was your name again? Matt. Matt Brill. I used to teach optic optics. I was only there a couple months. Mm, she said, I have no idea who you are. She shrugged. But I don't pay attention to most people. Nice to see you again, Matt Brill. Yeah, hey, could I take you out for a cup of coffee or something? What? If I can't help you with that bike, maybe we could get a coffee and catch up or something. Like I said, I love your books. Been reading forever. Marcus scowled and wrapped his fingers in Erica's baggy sweatshirt. That's nice of you, but... Sure, she said. I don't have anything else to do today. Erica, Marcus started. You can't go out in that, and you don't know this person. It's coffee, Marcus, not a date. And you were the one who told me to go out and do something. She glanced at the motorbike. Do you think anyone will take it? Maybe I should get a truck or something and move it. No one's going to take the bike, Erica. Elena would like it. There's no way in hell I'm letting Elena ride that thing. Killjoy. Damn straight. The man cleared his throat. So can I pick you up in an hour or so? Marcus glared at him. She waved him off. No need. I'll meet you at the pastry shop at the west end of Union Station. Marcus scowled harder. It will be fun, she said, elbowing him. You're always saying I need to get out more. I've never said that, said Marcus. Well, you should. I'm a total shut-in. Yes, Martin. Uh, Matt, he corrected. Mitchell, she said. Yes, fine. I'll see you there in about an hour. Great, so nice meeting you, he said, stepping back towards the street. See you in a few. He waved and left down the street. Marcus watched him go. I don't like him. Why? Hey, I think I could just attach some wheels here and then just scoot it down to the storage center. I, I probably wouldn't even have to take the train. I'll drive you, he said absently. You can get it in the trunk. Seriously, Erica, this guy seems weird to me. Is this like your brother? You were all concerned he was going to be a problem and nothing. Yeah, well, hmm. no, I don't think you should be around this Matt. Who's Matt? 
The guy we've been talking about, he huffed. The one you're about to go to coffee with. Oh, right. Maybe Sam hired him to try and steal me away from you, giving Sam some sort of perverse pleasure in destroying your love life across two decades. Don't make fun of me. I'm just feeding into your fantasy here. You're the only man who's ever seen me. Don't worry about anyone else. He probably just wants to get coffee. Marcus glowered. Here, hold this part so we can drop it, drop it off before I go on my date. Don't call it a date. Rendezvous? No. Assignation? No. Tryst? God, no. Engagement? Erica! Sorry, here, on three. One, two, three. Day 290. My beloved is out on a date with another man. He kept his horns and tail hidden, but I know the truth. She was contentedly oblivious. It also made me slightly ashamed to realize that I've never actually taken her out on a date. Hmm. I suppose that's because she only just mastered the use of a fork recently, but it really is inexcusable. I've never been on a date with my girlfriend. I'm awful. In my defense, however, there is a 50-50 chance she would try to poison or assault the waitstaff, so... Oh, who am I kidding? I wanted to keep her locked up at home so that no one else could see her. Mostly because of that horrible sweatsuit she wears, but a little because I thought if anyone else was interested in her, she might realize how low she's slumming by staying with me. This sucks. Oh, she's also building a death mobile for my kid. I assume that it will come with aftermarket flamethrowers and some sort of Mad Max bodywork so that Elena can fight in the Thunderdome and not be ashamed of her equipment. Something involving spinning blades, machine guns, or a retractable, retractable grappling hook. You know, the basics. For any babies out there that are too young to get these references, uh, go away. You're making me feel old. She was late. He sighed, tapped his fingers, stared at his computer, got a book, put the book down, went to the patio. Why am I acting like this, he thought, vaguely irritated with himself and with her. The cool fall air felt good. He heard the door open and saw her. Hey, he called through the doors, coming back into the living room and kissing her. How was it? She made a face. Strange. Most unpleasant, but yet gratifying. It was confusing. Are all people like that? Considering you haven't told me what he did yet, how can I answer the question? Good point. He helped her shrug out of her coat and noticed that she'd carried her computer and a notebook with her fingers were smudged with graphite. Did you take notes? She nodded. Can I read them? She pulled out her notebook and handed it to him. Subject 14. Conditions. Weekend social outing. Public cafe. X. Late afternoon. Unsolicited. Description. Male. Late 20s. Early 30s. 6'2". Brown hair. Brown eyes. Claims prior knowledge of me during college and is a fan of my books. Displays unusual knowledge of my preferences and schedule. Subject exhibits relaxed conditions during social events. Seems genuinely interested in answering my questions and even seems to be amenable to asking some about me. Does seem to listen to answers. Rendered flowers on greeting. Described me as interesting, fascinating, remarkable on no less than six occasions. Limited vocabulary. Provided food and drink. Wouldn't let me pay or order. Is that common? Laughed at comments I made that weren't funny. Why? Subject attempted to touch me on several occasions, usually the hand, tried to greet me with a hug. I allowed the hand, but not the hug. It seemed strange that he'd want so much contact so quickly. Again, he claimed he'd known each other previously in college. 
Since I took optics my second year, that would make me 17 when he knew me. I believe he is lying. But why? I asked him about college. He answered correctly. He seems to have some knowledge of physics, at least, and some familiarity with the school. He mostly asked me things about my life, my thoughts on things, my books. It was very gratifying. Not many people asked me about myself. Marcus paused to feel badly about himself for a moment. During this interval, he tried to take my hand. His facial expression seemed relaxed and absorbed, but I felt something like sadness the whole time. It made me not want him to touch me. He felt slimy in my mind and asked many questions about Marcus. He laughed often and asked if I could see him again. Asked if he could see me again. I said okay. Marcus flipped to the front of the book. There was a table of contents for each of our subjects along with a name. He saw his own as subject eight. Why am I subject eight? Who came before me? Hmm. Well, I mean, subjects one through seven, obviously, she said, scooting her feet on his lap and digging through a new book pile. But that's like the 15th notebook. You're just 15-8. Don't worry. I feel vaguely uncomfortable with that. She didn't respond. He shut the book. Erica, you know he was hitting on you, right? She shook her head. No, I thought of that, but he didn't have the pupil dilation, skin flush, or vocal changes that the book says are common among men. He scowled, unnoticed to her. The book can be wrong about things. Sure, she agreed, but you do all those things. That's how I figured out you were interested in me in the first place. He sighed. I'm so sorry, I'm so predictable. What about this guy, though? Touching you? Flowers? Flattery? Sounds like he's into you. Those are the right behaviors, sure, but like I said, he didn't exhibit any of the required physiological cues. And why was he lying to talk to me? It's interesting. I was hoping I'd be able to recognize more facial expressions, you know, so I could have good descriptions of lying. I don't do it really well. Thank God. Why'd you agree to see him again? Why not? I need something to write about since I'm so tame, she said. I'm going to have to explain to Veronica never to use those words around her again, thought Marcus. She's taking this way too seriously. You don't need to see him again. What if he tries to push you into doing something you don't want to do? Like, sexually? Well, yeah, Marcus coughed a little uncomfortable. You know, pushy guys. It happens. I don't know. Well, she shrugged. Don't just shrug, Erica, and please don't go out on dates with other men anymore. I'm sorry I never take you out anywhere, but please don't. It wasn't a date. Yes, it was. He bought you flowers, paid, tried to hold your hand. It's a perfect example of a date. She seemed to be considering something. Is this... Is this actually what people do on dates? I thought it was just a cliche that lazy writers use to move the plot along in romance novels. I mean, I think it is. I, I haven't dated since high school, and then that was just Nina, but I'm pretty sure those are still things people do on dates. So you haven't been on a date either? I guess not. He had a moment of semi-concern. Just a moment, mind you. But as a divorced single dad, he'd never actually been on a date. Wow. Suddenly feel a lot less confident in myself, he thought. She came to sit on his lap, folding her legs on either side of him so she could peer nearsightedly into his face. Really? Not dating makes you feel less confident? Why? How? When are you supposed to learn how to date? He let his arms rest around her waist. I have no idea. Is that like, as a man you feel less confident because you haven't been with a lot of women? 
Or is it like as a person, you weren't who you thought you were? Or is it like one of those situations where you've always taken something for granted and now you realize that like most things, it's all just smoke and illusion anyway? And the human experience is too complex and rich to be confined to a single stereotyped image of conventionality? Uh, number three, I guess. Interesting. She braced a hand around his neck so she could reach for her notebook and scribbled in some comments under subject eight. Is this a book thing or understanding your lover thing that you're doing right now, he asked, trying to read his section upside down. Both, she said. On a scale of one to ten, how jealous would you say you were of me going out with another man? I thought you said it wasn't a date. I did. It wasn't. Humor me. Is ten a lot jealous? Yes. Three. Very interesting. She dotted it down in the notebook. And is that because you A, knew I wasn't interested, B, knew he wasn't interested, or C, other? He is interested, Erica. No man just goes out with a woman like that if he doesn't want to be intimate with her. So the only interactions men and women can have is as sexual partners? Well, no, but with his behavior and in context, he's definitely interested. He was flirting with you. That's a sex thing. He didn't flirt with me. He did. That was the laughing, touching your hand, and flattering you part. You mean the only time men tell me they like my writing and ask about my life is when they want to have sex with me? He opened his mouth to automatically correct or add nuance to it and then thought about it. Yeah, pretty much. So, option A? What was option A again? You knew I wasn't interested. I know almost nothing about you, sweetheart. For all I know, you'd bang him in the bathroom just for verisimilitude in your story. Verisimilitude? She tapped her pencil against her lips. Verisimilitude. Mm, yummy word. He scowled at her. You're supposed to tell me that you wouldn't do that. What? Bang other guys in the bathroom. Oh, do you not want me to bang other guys in the bathroom? I do not want you to bang other guys in the bathroom. Okay, then I won't bang other guys in the bathroom. I'm deeply grateful, he said facetiously. So good of you. Of course, she said, taking him seriously and noting something in the book. What are you doing? I keep a record of all my promises to you so I don't forget. Do you really have to write down that you're not going to bang other guys in the bathroom? I feel like that's something you can just remember. She blinked at him, confused. Well, yeah, of course, but I write everything down. Everything? Yes, anything I want to keep gets put in here. She tapped the notebook. I have ones going back to when I was ten years old. She looks affectionately at it. No one ever had time for me. Everyone always told me I was wrong or too much or too little or not enough. But I could do anything I wanted in here. The books didn't tell me I was allowed to feel something or that I should be something else. Total freedom. There were times when she looked so serious, so vulnerable, that he couldn't help but feel his heart sort of come apart in his chest, like now. He framed her, hand, his, her face with his hands, needing to touch her just a little, feeling like she needed to be held, even if she didn't know it. Can I read them? All of them, she said, golden brown eyes wide. There are hundreds. Yes, all of them. If I can't muster up the courage to actually ask you about yourself, and if you refuse to tell me all your stuff, then I'll read them. They'll probably be more articulate than you trying to speak anyway. She put her hands on his wrist. Is she crying? Easy now, Dozura, he said, wiping wetness off her cheeks. 
What is this? Don't be sad. I'm not. It's just no one's ever wanted to read them before. I'm just really glad you asked. She didn't sniffle or sob or anything, just cried with her normal, expressionless face. No wonder all of her books are emotional minefields, he thought, cuddling her. I'll start on them tonight. Lay them out. I'll read anything you want me to. She felt warm and safe against him, and he absently started to rock very slightly like she did when she was upset, and he felt her muscles loosen and relax around him. Her lips were on his neck as she slipped her hands up his shirt, and he brought her face up so he could kiss her and pulled her hips closer. God, I love this woman, he thought, closing his eyes and giving up to the distraction. Section 2. Critical hit for the cleric. If only they did more damage. Erica was off building Elena's bike. She said it wasn't specifically for Elena. She claimed that she was going to donate it. Marcus knew the truth. Elena had been suspiciously absent lately, and he'd seen study guides for a motorcycle licensing class. I wish the women in my life wouldn't think I was quite this dumb, he thought, turning a page and reveling in the quiet time. I'm perfectly aware that they are trying to pull one over on me. Bzz, bzz, bzz. He glanced at his phone. Text message. We need to talk. From Nina, he groaned. About what? Can I come over? When have you ever asked? Fine. See you in 20. He went back to his book. Twenty minutes later, the doorbell buzzed. When he let her in, Nina immediately shoved into the doorway, obviously looking for something. Where is she? Is she here? Who? Elena? No, she... Not Elena. That whore of a woman you're dating. He whistled and closed the door behind her. Heck of a way to lead off the conversation. Stop it. No, she's not here. Good. She rounded on him, tossing a manga into his chest. He caught it, flipping it around to see the cover. He let out another longer, slower whistle. Explicit content read in the bottom corner. Nina put her hands on her hips and nodded. Uh-huh. That's the filth your girlfriend is giving our daughter. Well, he said, handing it back to her, it's not exactly filth. Some of the stories are pretty good, and don't tell me that crap. Elena tried to pull the same thing when I confronted her about it. Nina, Elena's almost an adult. I mean, she's going to... I just don't know what to do about her, said Nina, moving to sit in the living room and putting her feet up. Do wish you'd let me talk occasionally, muttered Marcus as Nina settled in. Nina didn't notice. Then, the other day, she sits me and Brent down. I thought his name was Chet. She glared at him. And tells us that she's gay, Marcus nodded. She's gay, Marcus. He nodded again. That she likes women sexually. He rolled his eyes. Yeah, I know, Nina. I know what gay means. We've known for ages. You knew about this? She crossed her arms over her chest. I knew it was that woman, that weirdo that you're sleeping with. She must have put all these thoughts in Elena's head. Uh, um, no, Nina. What are you going to do about this? She continued, not bothering to pay attention to him. She needs guidance here. Brent was wonderful about it. He tried to explain to her that sometimes women especially get confused or want to experiment, which is fine, of course, but that she's just too young and hasn't met the right man, and when she does, all of this will blow over. Marcus frowned. I don't think... But Elena just yelled at him. She yelled at my husband, saying that that wasn't going to happen and that it was fine to be this way, and then she left, presumably for your house. 
I'm really concerned about her. Oh, wow, Marcus said. Did this just happen? Yeah, I texted you as soon as Brent and I recovered. Great. Yeah, just leave her alone for a while. Why don't you just let her stay here? Absolutely not. I don't want her within five feet of that harlot. Erica's not a harlot. She waved the book again. How do you explain this then? She's the one giving Elena all these resources, all these ideas. I don't care what you and Erica do with your sex lives, but how dare you let her contaminate Elena? Jeez, Nina, relax. Erica and I have nothing to do with this. Just leave Elena alone. There's nothing wrong with being gay. She looked at him as if he'd grown an extra head. Are you crazy? Your brother would never let this happen. How can you just be so accepting? It's unnatural. She shuddered a little. And weird. She should want to be protected and loved like a normal girl. I don't want her getting all butch and shaving her head and getting tattoos. Oh, come on. Elena's afraid of closing the car door on her finger. She's too scared to get a tattoo. This isn't a joke, Marcus. This is her life. Of course it's a joke. You're making it ridiculous. Nothing has changed. Elena is still Elena. She watches anime. She's on the math team, for Christ's sakes. You should be more embarrassed that she's going to want to go to Comic-Con as some sort of otaku than the fact that she's gay. Nina stared at him blankly. Comic-Con is a... You know, never mind. You can look it up later. Relax. This is not a big deal. Why are you treating this so lightly, she cried. This is our daughter. What if she never gets married? What if she gets ostracized and discriminated against? What if she's just really confused and needs to know what having a good man in her life is like? Marcus rolled his eyes. Oh, for fuck's sake, Nina. She has a good man in her life. Me. It's fine. And if she likes girls, she can't get pregnant, so I'd say it's a win-win. Don't make fun of me, Marcus. He shrugged. She stood up and flung the book at him. Fine, I can see you're just too weak and you don't care. That's fine, I'll fix this. No, Nina, there's nothing to fix. She held up a hand, staring at him derisively. God, I wish like you'd act like a man sometimes. Get angry, do something. I have no idea how your little whore puts up with you. Leave off Erica, he said again. I don't badmouth Chet or Chip or whatever, and there is no problem here. Just let Elena stay with us, calm down for a few days, and accept it. He held his hands out. There's nothing to get accept excited about. She's a good kid. She rolled her eyes and stomped out. You just don't understand. Ugh, why are you like this? Why are you like this? He shouted after her, but she'd already slammed the door. Bzz, bzz. I'm headed home. Dinner? He smiled to see Erica's text. He'd finally gotten her to start using her phone and checking in with him. Shrimp tacos. Nina was here. There are still scorch marks on the floor. Watch your step when you come in. Brr. What was it about this time? She found out Elena's gay. About time. Did she freak out? Yes. Blamed you. Well, why not? Might as well. She found a dirty book. I have a lot of dirty books bound to happen. Come home. I miss you. KK. Marcus opened his eyes. He was too tired. The world was a bleary mess. It was dark. The deep time of the morning before the sun came up. 3 a.m. He groaned and passed a hand over the other side of the bed and knocked his wrist on a small collection of books taking up space. No smell of rain, no tiny little body with her freezing cold feet and hands cuddled into him. 
Erica? He called. Nothing. He stumbled out into the living room, seeing the blue-white light of her computer screen on, and her hunched form furiously typing at her desk. Zura, how many times do I have to tell you not to stack books in bed? I keep getting poked in sensitive areas. She didn't respond. Zura? He put his hands on her shoulders so he could lean down to smell her hair, all clean and rain-soaked. She patted one of them. Go away, Marcus. I need to get this down now. Mm, he said, letting his arms cross around her chest and leaning into the curve of her neck. Don't work too hard. She didn't pay attention. Take breaks, professora. Good night. He staggered back to bed. At seven, he walked out into the living room to see that she had pulled the curtain around her desk and was just as furiously typing something. He peeked in, holding tea and breakfast on a tray. Eat something, Erica. We're just finishing. What? Hmm. Professora, here. I'm giving you food and water. Drink something, at least. Take a break today. No response. I'm going to call you at lunch to make sure you're okay. Please drink something, at least. She waved a hand at him distractedly, shooing him away. He put the tea directly next to her computer. She didn't notice. I'll see you tonight. He kissed her cheek, and she absently patted him, missing his cheek and hitting him in the eye instead. He sighed. Day 310. My love is in the throes of creation. It's been almost three days now of nonstop writing. I don't know how she does this. I'm not actually sure that she's human. Perhaps her mothership sends her creative instructions through the great ether? No wonder she lived in filth before me. She hasn't been this focused in a while. I read a portion, and book six looks spectacular. For those terraforming fans, you're terraforming fans, you're in for a treat. I think it's her best one yet. I am a little concerned since when I tried to get her to eat this morning, she growled and bit at my hand. Maybe a tranquilizer gun would be a good investment? Her sweatsuit is so disgusting at this point that I'm fairly certain we could use it as a military-grade biological weapon. When she finally knocks herself unconscious, maybe I'll use it as an opportunity to finally throw them away. She's usually dead to the world for at least a week after one of these episodes. Maybe I could auction it off. What do you think, perverted male readers? Any of you want to buy a, buy a biohazard? Day 311. Well, folks, she is still going. I have a lovely manuscript here waiting for me, but I'm too distracted from the car crash happening in our apartment right now. I got her to drink a little water this morning, but she's going to collapse soon. She's gone on benders before, but this is the worst one I've seen yet. She's knocked out a huge portion of the manuscript, and I think she's actually started a new one. If there are any of your of her romance fans out there reading right now, the sex reference books came out late last night, so I'd imagine she's got another one of those in the pipeline. Do you think she'd notice if I just installed an IV in her arm? I feel like that's the only way she'd accept anything at this point. It's a little scary seeing her write like this. It almost looks painful. I'd never thought about what a story does to the author before, but this morning I came out to see she was crying while typing. I couldn't bring myself to read over her shoulder, but whatever she was making seems to be ripping her heart out by inches. Pervy dudes, the sweatsuit thing was a joke. You're all disgusting and need to reevaluate your life choices. Marcus opened the apartment door quietly. He didn't know why he did it quietly. He was pretty sure that she wouldn't have heard a bass, brass band in a helicopter landing. But he opened it quietly anyway. 
He pulled off his shoes and dropped his things off by the door, coming around to check on the little dust nook. Erica was lying face down, half in and half out of her chair, bent back at an awkward angle, feet tangled in the armrests. Oh no, he said, rushing over to her, disentangling feet and hair and pulling her into his lap. He brushed hair off her face and felt her skin. She was sweaty and flushed, and too pale. He slapped her face lightly. Erica? Erica? She pushed his hand weakly away. Mm-hmm. And buried her face in his shoulder, with deep, even breaths, asleep. He sighed. You know, you don't have to do this. You could just write for a couple hours a day like a normal person. Raspy, regular breathing, and the woman in his arms stayed limp. Well, it's about time, anyway. Any longer, and I'd have to club you with a frying pan. He hauled her up, staggering to the bedroom, and dumped her in blankets, pulling off the hated sweats. I'm going to have to shower in alcohol after touching these things, he thought in disgust, and decisively threw them in the trash. No more. Sorry, my darling, they are revolting. He glanced at the desk, seeing that she'd drunk the water he'd put out for her, and snacked a little, so she wasn't completely starving. He'd make hamburgers when she woke up. She seemed to like those after a bender. Bzz, bzz, bzz. He glanced at his phone. Elena. Hey, baby. Daddy? The tone of voice made him sit up and had a moment of sick panic starting in his stomach. The last time she sounded that upset had been when she'd broken her arm and was at the hospital. Sweetheart, what's wrong? Daddy, can you come pick me up? Of course, where are you? Indiana. What? He had to blink and shake his head in case something had filled up his ears. Did you say Indiana? Yeah, Mom took me to this camp thing. Oh, please come get me. What camp? It's a conversion camp or something. Please, can you just come get me? Of course, I'm coming right now. Where is it? What is it? I don't know, she wailed. Mom said it was some kind of spa or a girls weekend thing she wanted to do with me for my birthday. And we show up and she leaves and this is awful. What's the name of the camp? Exodus International, she sniffed. Please hurry, Daddy. Fucking Nina. I'm coming, baby. Hang on. Two frantic Google searches later, he shoved his shoes on and ran to the parking garage. I'm so sorry, sir. Everyone has gone home for the day. If you want to sign out your daughter, you're going to have to wait until tomorrow. Marcus leaned against the building, talking into the, into the phone. There was an emergency after-hours phone number, which is what he was currently trying, but so far, stonewalled. Miss, I don't think you understand. I want my kid out now. We can sign her out officially tomorrow, if you want, but my kid is coming home with me tonight. Sir, we have all the paperwork lined up and supported by her mother. This isn't jail. There's no reason she can't leave. Just tell me where to find her, and I'll go get her. Sir, we're going to have to call security on you. On me? I've done nothing wrong. I want my kid. Just let her come out and I'll go away. Can you provide official documentation that you're her father? Yes, I can give you a copy of her birth certificate tomorrow. But for right now, I want to take my daughter home. I'm sorry, sir. Security protocols are in place to protect the counselors and the attendees. Please come back tomorrow with the appropriate paperwork and... No, miss, my kid called me and wants to come home. She's going home. I'll call the cops on this whole thing if you don't tell me where she is right now. This is bullshit. My kid wants to leave. I want to take her home. If you hold her here, I don't see how that's any different from kidnapping a minor. 
I'm calling the sheriff right now. Sir, sir, that's not necessary. Just let me get in touch with her counselor and we'll see if she actually wants to go home. Let me talk to her counselor. Even better, let me talk to Elena. One moment, please, sir. Elevator music. Marcus paced against the visitor center building, up and down the sidewalk in the dark. Mr. DeSantos? A figure disengaged itself from the shadows of the parking lot and came towards them. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm your daughter's counselor. We're so glad that you came. Shut up, Keith. Uh, Kyle. Marcus stuck his finger in the other man's chest. I want my kid. Right now. Bring her out. Kyle put up his hands conciliatorily. Of course, of course, but have you thought about what Elena's life is going to be like if she chooses this path? It's a sin, but it's also really dangerous. What are you talking about? It's no more a lifestyle than her being Hispanic and having black hair. Send her out. See, Marcus, call me Mr. DeSantos, please. Kyle stopped and smiled, the kind of smarmy, lying smile that made Marcus hate all people for a brief, shining moment. Hate being lied to. Hate all these people just using us and using us. Don't handle me, Carl. Kyle. Kevin, I don't appreciate being patronized. The only people that can belittle my intelligence or handle me are my daughter and my girlfriend. You aren't either of them. Back off and bring me my kid. Kyle sighed and said, you know, her mother was really quite adamant about us helping her daughter, and the fee is non-refundable. I don't give a fuck. Kid, out, now. Marcus squared his feet and crossed his arms. I'm going to stay right here, and if she isn't in my car in 20 minutes, I'm calling the sheriff's department and camping out on your doorstep, you bigoted fuck. Now, now, Mr. DeSantos, there's no need to call anyone names. Just get over the fact that you're gay already, Kyle. It's obvious that all of you are. There's nothing wrong with it. You'd be loads happier if you just found a nice boy to spend time with. Kyle's smile died. Mr. DeSantos, I'm not gay. Of course you are. The only people who do these things to each other are those who are shoving their own homosexuality down deep enough to ruin their souls. Elena's not going to do that. She's got a great girlfriend. A softball player with blonde pigtails who likes anime and wants to go to Northwestern. They're adorable. Just accept the fact that gay happens. I do. Now, Elena. Kyle took a deep breath. Look, kid, if you say anything other than I'll go get her right now, I will start calling people, said Marcus, getting out his phone for emphasis. Kyle let out his breath. Fine, I'll go get her right now. Thank you, Caster. Fifteen minutes later, he heard, Daddy! Elena had a backpack and tear stains down her face, and her nose was bright red. She threw her arms around him. He patted her back consolingly. He wrapped his arms around her and said, We're going home. You're living with just me and Erica now, okay? Me and your mother are going to have a talk, but you're not going home to her again, okay? He felt her nod. He had a moment of deep, blinding rage against whoever would make his sensitive, loving daughter cry, and a longer moment of sheer hatred for her mother. Never again, he promised himself. Elena is never going back to that woman's house. I don't care if I have to go to court or jail or whatever. Fucking Nina. He clutched her close for a second and then dumped her stuff in the back seat, settling her in the car. I hope Erica is conscious by the time we get home. I don't want to make two comfort meals tonight. He made hamburgers. Erica was conscious and lucid enough to drag herself to the table. 
So what was it like? She asked Elena, fascinated, resting her head in her hands, elbows planted on the table. Marcus shot her a warning glance. You don't have to talk about it right now if you don't want, he said. Oh no, it's okay, Elena said, her mouth full. It would have been worse if I'd stayed. The other kids said that they make you watch gay porn and would burn and electrocute you if you tried to try and associate it with pain. Erica shook her head, eyes never leaving Elena. Oh man. Were there a lot of religious things and speeches about sin? Elena nodded and shoved more hamburger in her face, swallowing hard. All the time. They tried to convince me that I was afraid of men because my dad abused me as a kid. What the fuck, Marcus said, outraged. Yeah, said Elena, I know. The counselors figured out pretty quick I wasn't having any of that. Amazing, said Erica. And your own mother put you in there? She turned to Marcus. We're keeping her, right? We don't have to send her back to Nina. I am supposed to share custody, he said, but nodded. I'm sure there's got to be a way to modify the agreement. If we have to go to court, Elena, you're old enough you can make your own choice of where you want to stay. Or even emancipate. Erica left the table, coming back with a black-brown notebook. She laid it in front of Marcus. I've been doing some research into how to modify custody agreements, and there's a website you can print out all the forms. We could finish it up tonight if you want. He flipped through it. Citations, websites, annotations, precedent. He closed the book and looked at her in wonder. Erica, how did you know? She shrugged. I heard what she said about you, and I heard what she said about Elena. This was the most logical solution. She glanced at Elena. But I didn't want to hurt your feelings or make things awkward with your mom. Elena shoved another bite of hamburger in her mouth, but she couldn't seem to swallow. Her eyes were starting to fill up again. Marcus rubbed her back in soothing circles. Don't worry, mija. I'll straighten everything out tomorrow. Marcus rang the bell again, stepping back to admire the sweep of the townhome Chet had gotten them. He had never actually been inside, always just dropping off Elena at the stairs and going home. The automatic door system pinged again, and this time Nina's voice echoed through the box. Hello? Nina, it's me. Open up. We need to talk. Oh, now we need to talk? You left me with the hard job a couple weeks ago, Marcus. Do you want to have this conversation with me screaming in the streets, or can we have a private talk like civilized people, he asked. There was a long pause. Fine. She buzzed him in. When he knocked, Sam opened the interior door, ushering him into the foyer and the living room with a little smirk. What are you doing here? asked Marcus. Oh, I drop by whenever I'm in town. I happen to be in town. Sam smiled more broadly. I hear Elena's a dyke. Sam, exclaimed Nina. I wish you wouldn't talk about her that way. He shrugged and moved to the side, relaxing back into one of the overstuffed chairs in the very comfortable and tastefully apportioned room. Marcus looked back at Nina. Elena's not coming back to you. What? After what you did? No, she can just live with me now. He waved to Sam. This should be better for you. Now you don't even need to pretend that you even liked me or had a daughter. You can just screw him on your lunch hour. Sam gave him a little salute, and Marcus gagged a little. Jesus, Nina, what have you been doing all this time? Why didn't you just let me raise Elena and leave if... Another gesture to Sam. All you wanted was to be his whatever. What about your husband? She looked at her feet. I thought you wouldn't take Elena if you didn't think she was yours. I thought you'd leave too. And I couldn't bear the thought of raising her alone. She looked at Sam. 
She's your daughter, you know, not his. I know. Marcus rolled his eyes. Fuck, I am so done with both of you. Nina, why do you keep lying to everyone? Why don't you just figure out that you're in love with Sam? Have been, will be forever. The asshole doesn't deserve it, but there you go. No more marriages, no more lies. And maybe Sam... You can just man up and quit treating her like a bit of ass and actually commit to a real relationship. And maybe you both could have done that before there was a kid taking the heat for all your problems. He closed his eyes and handed Nina the papers Erica had drawn up for him. Sign these. We're done. I'll be Elena's sole guardian. My name is still on her birth certificate, so as far as the law cares, we're fine. Don't call me. Don't visit. Don't say a goddamn thing to Elena until she's ready to talk to you. And you... Marcus turned to Sam, at a momentary loss. Get your fucking life together. What are you even doing? You've practically been with Nina for 20 years. You two were obviously made for each other. Why are you still dicking over everyone around you? Bossy, aren't you, little brother? Still upset that Nina likes me better than you? Marcus felt like tearing his hair out. No, you jackass. I don't care about you two at all. Why is it so hard to understand? Your daughter is the only one that matters out of this whole mess, and you two are so selfish you can't even see what you've done to her. I'll keep your secret. I'll still be your dad, because I'm her only parent. You two should be ashamed of yourself. Suddenly exhausted, he left, slamming the door behind him and making his way home. In his own apartment, Marcus fell face first on the bed, worn out, angry, frustrated. He felt Erica sit on him and start working her hands up and down his spine. He said. Uh huh, she replied, working her fingers under his shirt. He pulled it off to give her better access. How did it go? No, fine. He held his, hand, his head up a little. Nina will sign them and send them back. Sam was there. Erica's fingers stalled. Sam? Interesting. Marcus let his head fall back into the pillows. Don't say it like that, he said, into the fabric. It's not interesting. It's boring. It's filthy, boring stupidity. She kept up the massage. Is Elena okay, he asked. Oh, she's fine. Nicole came over to comfort her. Marcus buried his head deeper into the pillow. I feel like I shouldn't be just letting my teenage daughter have sex in the bedroom. You don't know they're having sex. Elena leaves the door open a lot. I'm a terrible father. No, you're not. Mm. She kept working the massage. He finally started to relax. She added oil to her hands and worked it into his skin. It smelled like sandalwood. The sick knot of nerves and unhappiness started to ease in his chest. Erica, I did the right thing, right? Yes, Marcus, you did the right thing. Did I tell Elena that you're not her biological dad? No. Her hands moved into long, soothing strokes up and down his spine. She doesn't need that. He felt something releasing him, something that had been bottled up for a long time. How did you figure it out? Easy, she said. Elena has separated earlobes. You and Nina both have attached ones. The attached ones are recessive. Sam has separated. There's no way that you or Nina could have passed on a dominant gene like that. And, you know, how weird you were around him this summer. He started to laugh. End of episode 10. Come back next week.